Welcome to the Food Peace Please podcast, co-hosted by Serena Marie, RD, creator of Food Freedom Fit Fam, and Susan Ports, RD, creator of Fertility Nutrition Academy. Our joint mission is to empower women to embrace food freedom. We want women to realize there's more to life than changing your body and counting your calories, macros, or points. While we are medical professionals, this podcast is informational only and not meant as a substitute for individual medical advice. Now, let's get this party started. Hey, hey, Serena here with another solo episode. Susan will not be joining us, and we're going to really dive – use today to dive a little bit deeper into my own story. So if you missed my story, um, you know, I shared it in one of the earlier episodes. I think it was like episode two or three um, about my history with binge eating and purging. And today I really wanted to dive into the binge eating part of – my story because I think it's a really important topic to talk more about to normalize. Um, I know when I was binge eating, I felt completely crazy, out of control. It felt like this out-of-body experience and I had so much shame around it. I couldn't talk to anyone about it, literally zero people. And even right now, honestly, as I'm talking, this feels really uncomfortable to talk about um, because it, it was just part of my life for so long, right? Like I think I have shame that I, – I, I heard a story once of somebody. She like binged and purged and she did it like once or twice and then told her mom because she was like, oh my God, I don't want to – I don't want to get stuck in this. And I think I have a lot of shame around the fact that like, you know, it. I was stuck in this cycle for a really long time, you know, like 10 years. So <laughs> it took me a really long time to get help. Um, but I want to normalize it because, you know, I, this is what I specialize in is helping women runners stop binge eating. So as much as I feel the shame around it, it's like, well, clearly I'm not alone. Like I, I help, you know, I help women every year heal from this. I've helped hundreds of women heal from this. So clearly I'm not alone if, you know, in my little piece of the internet, I'm able to reach hundreds of lives of women who are also struggling with this. And, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit more about like why binge eating is so, um, when you understand binge eating, it makes so much sense why female runners are so susceptible to binge eating. Like binge eating can manifest for many reasons. And I think one of the first things I want to just like remind you is that willpower cannot beat biology. And I know Susan and I have talked about this with you, but like your biology is set up in a way to make sure your body survives. And food and eating and all the hormonal after effects of eating and um all of the self-written narrative you have around food, there is so much power in the decision to eat. And when you're a runner and, you know, running is expensive. And what I mean by expensive is not that it costs money, but it costs energy, right? Like it's an expensive system to run. And so we as women are conditioned to not eat like a man, quote unquote. Okay. That's not, those aren't my words, but like, you know, don't eat anything fattening, quote unquote. 
don't eat too many carbs, quote unquote. Um, and then at the same time, we're going out there and we're burning hundreds of calories during our workout. And so it's very confusing because your biology is like, yay, you need calories. You need energy because you had me go out there and run today. And then society and everyone you've ever met is telling you, don't you dare eat too much because you know, you need to be in a thin body and it's unladylike. So it makes sense from a biological standpoint that these people, this group of people, aka women runners, who are intentionally restricting because they're told by society to do so, but biologically their body is demanding calories, demanding carbohydrate, demanding the tools and resources to refuel and rebuild after this this hard exercise. It makes sense that when a biology wins, it's not pretty, right? Like it results in you feeling absolutely famished and just eating everything and anything. And you literally aren't in control, right? Like I want you to remember that our brain, you know, there's a really old part of your brain. If you if you don't mind, take your hand right now and put it on the back of your neck, okay? That's kind of where that brain stem lives. That's that really old part of the brain. And that survival brain will kick in when it feels like survival is at risk. And starvation or under-eating, under-fueling feels like survival is at risk. So the intelligent human brain, right, that has evolved over millions of years, that's not in control. It's that really old part of your brain, that archaic part of your brain that just cares about survival is like, holy moly, that's fatty and sugary and sweet and salty, and I can eat a whole lot of it and get a lot of energy. That's what I need right now. Your body's smart. Your biology is smart. So if you feel nuts around food and you're restricting and you're a runner or you're working out, well, let me point this out for you right now. Willpower can't beat biology. And so that was a huge part of my struggle um, in my in my teen years and my 20s was my number one priority was being as thin as possible. I started running to lose weight, not because I wanted to be a good athlete. And then just, you know, on my journey somehow, I got real competitive and really started wanting to also become a good athlete in addition to staying in a thin body. Um, and, you know, I, I just want to take a second here to acknowledge that I do live in a thin white privileged body, even without restricting. That's just my genetic code. And so if you're sitting there and you're like, yes, Rena, easy for you to say, look at the body you recovered into, you're not wrong because society makes it like the larger our body, the harder it is for us to kind of let go of societal expectations, right? Because we live in a fat phobic world. And I think we have a bunch of episodes about that. I definitely encourage you to check out um, the one with Daisy Gillespie or um, Brianna Campos because we talk about like living in a larger body and and just, um, you know, the societal expectations and how that affects healing. So, um, but, but I, I wanted to live in a really small body <laughs> and, um, and so I would restrict. I did no sugar, no grains. I did paleo. Um, I did low carb. Um, I counted macros. I counted calories. I, you know, tried intermittent fasting combined with tracking macros. I did everything under the sun to try and keep my body really, you know, at a much smaller size than what is 
you know, healthy for my genetic blueprint. And what what that meant for my my brain was it was constantly in survival mode where it was just like, well, I get you're not allowed to have more than X grams of carbs today, Serena, because you're tracking your macros. And yet, you know, I, I need ice cream like to the face right now. And 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 so binging ice cream, binging cookies, binging potato chips, like foods I don't even like, like just binging them because I needed energy so badly. Um you know, and I want to, I want to actually, I'm going on a lot of, I'm basically just like talking to you today. (laughs) There's not a script here um, or any rhyme or reason. I'm just like talking about the past with you because as I'm talking, it's like all these things pop up for me. And I'm like, you know, what makes me really angry about the times I used like calorie equations or macro tracking as my like method to um, maintain my weight. Those were equations given to me you know, as a dietitian, like those are the evidence-based equations that we're taught to use in school of like, you know, factoring how much you're exercising and like using your weight and your age and your gender to determine like how many calories a day you need and, you know, only doing a very slight um, calorie reduction so that you don't, you know, have this ravenous hunger. And it's just so funny because it's like, okay, I did everything that is like, recommended to the T and yet it still resulted in binge eating. Um, Yeah. And I mean, those calorie counting equations like that you Google and like the ones that we use, like the ones dietitians are taught, like Mifflin St. George, Harris Benedict, like they are wildly inaccurate, right? Like they they can be wrong like 40 to 80% of the time because just things are so variable. Like your calorie needs are not static. So that equation is essentially saying like, if I know how old you are, what your gender is, you know, how active you are, I can plug it into an equation and give you a calorie recommendation. But that actually doesn't make sense because as you think about what determines how many calories I burn a day, you need to know like where I am in my menstrual cycle. You need to know how stressed out I am. You need to know what my workouts have been like this week. Like was it a strength training workout for an hour or was it running for an hour? Like that's going to result in different amounts of calories burned. You need to know what my thyroid function is like. You need to know how cold or hot I was that day because maintaining core body temperature affects, you know, calorie burn. You need to know, you know, whether I was sitting at a desk all day or if I was running around or tapping my foot. Like there's all these different, you know, tiny little things that change our our, our calorie needs for the day. So the fact that the simplistic equation could even, you know, that I'm being taught as a dietitian at Cornell University is like, this is like the thing to use it's just so ridiculous. It's just so ridiculous. It makes me so angry. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> wanting restricting was like a huge driver of my binge eating. And when I finally found food freedom and stopped restricting and started eating more food and started eating like an athlete. So really respecting the literature um, for runners that teaches us like we need a large amount of calories and carbohydrates to feel good in our body and protect our hormones and improve our performance, et cetera. When I started following those guidelines um, and eating more, okay, so basically when I stopped dieting, the binge eating didn't 100% resolve. And this is a really tricky thing when I'm working with clients is 
that binge eating can be the result of, of, of multiple things. And when we're going through this journey where we're making friends with our body again, we're using my four-question framework to help you really learn how to listen to your body again, you're going to get to a point where it's like, okay, I'm not dieting and I'm listening to my body and I'm eating. Why is the binging still happening? And so, you know, I'm bringing this up because this was my journey as well. And so when we think about binge eating, we talked about a moment ago, food is powerful. The relationship we have with food is powerful. So food's powerful because, you know, literally it's our life force, right? Like without food, you will not survive. (laughs) It's our life force. But food's also powerful because of the story we have around food, right? If I eat something that I think is bad and it makes me hate myself, that's a really powerful, like, thing in your life. And then also foods associated with our senses, right? So if I smell, um, you know, homemade pasta and tomato sauce, I think of my grandparents. I have this like beautiful, like flooding, warm feeling in my lower belly where I like think of being a little girl in my grandparents' house and my nanny and poppy cooking, you know, Sunday dinner. I mean, it's a beautiful, I'm like smiling right now. It's a beautiful feeling, right? Um, Or at the same time, if you think about, you know, the time you were eating Skittles on your walk home from school and when you got home from school, your mom yelled at you and told you that you can't eat Skittles because, you know, they'll make your teeth fall out or they'll make you fat, whatever. You can think about how like, how traumatizing it can be to eat Skittles now. Like it might bring you back to that moment where you feel like a lot of like shame, right? That wasn't a story from my life. I just made that up. Um, And food's powerful because when you eat too much or you eat a food that you don't think, you know, is good for you, quote unquote, it can elicit this feeling of numbing out, right? If you eat so much, your belly hurts and you're uncomfortable then you can feel like you're numbing yourself out. You're getting all this um, this hit of neurotransmitters, right? Because when we eat food and it's pleasurable, um, we get this like huge burst of all these neurotransmitters that's going to make us almost feel like numbed out, like we escaped from the way we were feeling, right? But then also you can distract yourself with like, oh, I hate myself. I ate Skittles. Why did I do that? I'm so shameful. And then you're you're distracting yourself from whatever it was that drove the binge eating to begin with. So if the binge eating is not coming from a need for calories, right? If let's say you get to a place where you're eating enough food for your body, it can be coming from a, a coping mechanism, helping your nervous system regulate, helping you deal with the hard emotion, helping you deal with a hard time in your life where you know food was something that you chose to distract yourself or to numb out or escape, whether it's restricting food, like if you're dieting really hardcore and you're distracting yourself with like calculating my fitness pal data versus if you're binge eating and you're numbing out. And so when I started healing from binge eating and I stopped dieting, I essentially took away that coping mechanism of of eating to, you know, numbing out with food. I took away the coping mechanism of distracting myself with dieting and like counting all my macros and meal planning all my macros, right? So I took away those coping mechanisms. My life was the same, right? So I was still struggling with whatever stress I was struggling with and I didn't replace the binge eating or the dieting with any kind of coping mechanism. 
I'm a human being. Like I can't just take something away and not replace it when that something was helping me. So binge eating was helping me because binge eating essentially was acting like the hug I needed. Like it was filling me up with food, numbing me out, making me get so consumed with self-hatred. It sounds, it doesn't sound like it's protecting me, but eventually whatever was bothering me, like maybe let's say um, I was really upset about whatever, you know, instead of having like a friend to talk to or, you know, I, I didn't have a partner to talk to or, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a way of coping with this. Um, especially late at night, right? Like I can't go for a run when it's 10 p.m., right? I didn't have a way of coping. And so binging would make me feel better because it would distract me from whatever the thing that I was upset about. So it's really important when you're healing from a binge eating journey that you realize that binging actually is a tool in the toolbox. Like I always remind myself, like if I was having a horrible day and the way I wanted to cope with it is by sitting down with ice cream and eating ice cream, that is still a tool in my toolbox. I'm not ever taking food as a way to cope with emotion away from myself, right? Like I'm a human. It's very human to want food to help you feel better. Food does help us feel better. Albeit doesn't fix the problem, the real problem, but it does make us feel better. And honestly, if I wanted to binge eat, I wanted to eat like two gallons of ice cream and make myself sick, I'm allowed to do that too. I just don't do that much anymore because it doesn't feel good. Like I don't do that anymore. It doesn't feel good. So I think it's really important when you're on this healing journey. I think this is really when having a dietitian or a counselor, an intuitive eating counselor, when it becomes really helpful in an intuitive eating journey. Like if you've read the intuitive eating book and you're like, I'm stuck, I'm still binging, I can guarantee you, one, you either haven't truly made peace with food. So you really haven't learned how to, you know, listen to your body and honor your body. And that's why I I have that four question framework in my program. That's so helpful to help people actually learn how to eat intuitively without that leftover food rule guilt. Um, But also because you haven't the other thing that keeps people stuck in binge eating is you're not ready to let go of it because you haven't replaced it as a coping mechanism with something else, right? We do need to replace it. We do need something else to help us feel calmer. So for me, when I was going through this healing journey, I kind of realized that I needed to start asking for help. Like, and I, I don't even mean with binge eating, like I didn't ask for help with binge eating, but I needed to learn how to ask for help with other areas of my life. Like, hey mom, can you do this for me? Hey friend, I can't go out tonight because I need to like prioritize myself. Like I can't like do whatever you want me to do. I need to take time for myself. Like, hey friend, like can I talk to you about X, Y, Z? Like I needed help processing my feelings and the things that were burdening me really in order to to kind of start making peace with binge eating. And the journey is long and tenuous. And so I don't want to make it sound like I called up a friend, I asked her to do me a favor, and I stopped binge eating overnight, right? Like you need to practice this. You need to fail at it, quote unquote. It's not failure, it's feedback. You need to get that feedback from those experiences and kind of realizing what do you need in your life to stop binge eating? right? Some of you need support. Like you need like a a counselor or dietitian to really help you feel like you can do this and to root you on during the lows, right? But some of you just need to figure out a better coping mechanism and realizing that that doesn't mean we're taking food away, but what can we add to your life to help you feel more nurtured and supported? 
And all this work has to come after you're eating enough, right? It has to come after you're giving your biology enough food and calories and you've made peace with foods. You're eating any food you're craving without any hesitation. That's when this work on this emotional healing comes into play. And I just hope if one person listens to this and is like, wow, like that's the part I'm missing, I will be so grateful because it's a really lonely place to be. And, you know, I don't think about it. I think about it enough because I I, I work in this space, so <laughs> I think about it. But I don't, you know, kind of getting this feeling I'm getting right now where I'm sitting in the, the what it used to be like to be that person shaming you know, shaming herself because she binged. I mean, ugh, like I am so happy to be rid of this feeling. I'm so happy that this is not my like constant reality now because I just feel <laughs> it's really just like this feeling of lightness and peace where like and, and and almost like empowered. Like I'm a like I'm above that. Like I don't have to be afraid if there's Kashi cereal in my house because like I'm at peace in my home. Like I'm the one in charge here, not the bowl of cereal. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know if I'm making sense. Anyway, that's a little bit, you know, of my binge eating history. And um I I, I just want I wanted to dive into this because I think it's important to talk about. Like we talk a lot about the science, we talk a lot about in these like theoretical situations, but I really like to sometimes just like come back here with you and like talk to you at the level where you may be right now, where you're struggling with binge eating and just like help normalize it for you and let you know like all those situations, right? Like I'm just thinking about times when like I would binge and then I would get caught. Like somebody would like see me with like all of the ice cream and, you know, cookies. Maybe it was like a family member and like how shameful that would feel. Or like if I would binge after work and then – because I didn't have any plans and I was lonely and then somebody would message me and be like, hey, do you want to go out to dinner? And it was like this horrible feeling because I was like, damn it, like I wish I didn't binge eat. Like I wish I could just like put on clothes and go out to dinner with my friend now, but I already messed up my appetite and I already ate too much and blah, 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 this like horrible cycle of just like self-hatred. I'm so happy. I, I I don't have space for that anymore. Like I don't have time for that anymore. And and when I have this, you know, this this empowered relationship with food, here's the thing: is somebody once told me like the love you receive in the world is the love you have for yourself. And so when I was stuck in binge eating and constantly practicing this cycle of self hatred, it was really hard you know, to accept love from people. It was really hard to like really feel loved and supported by my friends and family, even if even if that love was there, because I just couldn't imagine somebody feeling that way about me when I felt so opposite about myself. And, you know, I, I really think practicing, you know, self-love with the simple practice of feeding yourself, just like simply nourishing yourself and listening to your body and working with your body as a teammate, Simply having that level of self-love, I think just lets opens the doors and windows to so many other people loving you, um, expressing their love for you, helping you feel loved and comforted. And I know that's the way it was for me. And so I don't want you missing out on that love in your life because <laughs> life is short. And 
um, you know, we can say a bunch of like super emotional things right now, but it's true. You know, you don't deserve to miss out on that love in your life. Um, so yeah. If you're struggling, you can send me a DM at Serena Marie RD or you can send Susan a DM as well. We are always happy to chat with you. Thank you for listening to this episode. If it was healing for you and you could share the episode or leave us an iTunes review, um, it would mean everything to us, a podcast review. Um, it helps our show grow and um, really helps us just spread the the word that you know food freedom really is a life-changing experience. Thank you for joining us. If you're a female athlete looking to heal your relationship with your body, head to serenamarierd.com to download my free runner's guide to better body image. And if you're trying to conceive, head over to freedom.fertility on Instagram to grab your free starter guide for food freedom, fertility, nutrition.